welcome to Behind the Sofa. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Behind the Sofa, where we review the top 100 horror movies of all time. My name's Ollie. And I'm Kirsty. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, I'm I'm starting to feel a bit festive. I don't know about you. You're festive? Not, you're not ready for it yet? Festive's not an emotion we uh, we celebrate on this podcast, <laughs> is it? Um, I think I'm, so. I've been put in a bad mood. Uh-oh. We watched Why? we watched it chapter two last night. Oh, that fucking sucked. I'm so sad. <laughs> sucked so bad. I'm it was so terrible. Sad. We don't normally do like uh, you know movies that are out of the of the cinema at the moment, but I feel like we have to just uh, discuss how bad it chapter two was. Yeah, it was. It, it all just had over some, the shop. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. It, it had some like some parts that were good like the story was was okay like it's been a while since i've read the original book so i'm trying to recall which bits were were in there but like they kept on sort of adding like you know the jokey bits about him not being able to write an ending which is like the whole like you pointed yeah, out yeah. wasn't it the stephen king sort of uh, writing an ending thing because the ending of the book is very weird i was trying to work out how they would actually be able to sort of make that into real life but um yeah it's incredibly long so long it's like nearly long. it's nearly three hours long it's just oh it just got tone, annoying for me the tone is just all over the place like i love bill hader but mm-hmm. it was it's not the right move having a bill hader no. in this movie he's just too funny to be i don't know it just made like there's some really weird like tonal shifts like there was literally like a end of the world apocalyptic showdown going on and then it's like him and Ziggy from The Wire doing like uh, doing like a bit oh my god it was a... Ziggy from The Wire yeah I didn't even notice that and he, oh. uh, the acting was not great yeah. from a lot of people in it as well like um, uh, I thought Bill Hader was good I thought Jessica Chastain was good um, the guy who played Mike Hanlon less so Mm. and the guy also Ziggy who is amazing in The Wire I didn't think was too hot in this either mm. I'm sorry to be shitting all over it I just really I like because I really like the first one I know a lot of people were like oh it's just like corny kids stuff like yeah but it was like, like uh, it was like Stand By Me but that, with... cashing in on that retro dollar yeah. but I still really thought it was good like this, the central relationship between all the kids I thought was awesome and this one it, the bit that summed it up most for me is just like um, they're all staying in that weird Hotel, yeah, and it with was a, no one else but, there. But it was just like a such a weird device. Like uh, <laughs> it was almost like a computer game where it's like, right, well, you go, everyone goes out and they do their side quest, and then you all have to come back to the central hub to exchange to, information. Exactly. And, and I was like, oh no, oh wait, just... you you can't you can't leave unless you go upstairs and grab this other person, and yeah. then go out. All all have to go out together, otherwise you're you're you cannot leave the house. Yeah, and there's yeah. loads of like weird underdeveloped bits, like the the bully escaping from the mm. from the psycho ward. Um, too much Pennywise as well. <laughs> too much Pennywise. Do you not think? I think he was so much more effective in the first one because you saw him. He literally had like di- he had like monologues. Mm. There were bits in it where I was like, "Man, I've been listening to Pennywise talk for a long, old time right now." <laughs> um, and as good as Bill, is it Bill Skarsgård? Uh, is it Bill? One of the Skarsgård, whichever yeah. Skarsgård it was. It's not. He's Alex. good. He's good, but I was just like, I feel like I'm. You're losing all of the 
I'm losing all of the fear right now. And especially yeah. when you see him as like an 80 foot spider <laughs> for the last like what seems like 45 minutes of the film. What we, I was what like, oh we need God, to, we, it's going on forever. Yeah. I'll get you to watch the like the original like Yeah, I've, Tim, never, I've Tim never seen Curry. the Tim Curry one. Yeah. We'll watch that and I'll I'll we'll have a little my, like mini discussion on uh, our thoughts about that I think yeah. as well because it is a beloved film. I think just Tim Curry basically is mm. just excellent in all the things ever in my opinion so probably should have given a spoiler warning for all the stuff uh, for it chapter two but Sorry. Yeah, you know it's, it's a book it's a movie it's yep. been out for ages now yep. um but yeah uh we, big... didn't, we didn't give away a lot though did we just we just just the fact big, that we didn't really part. like it that's fine i feel like even i knew that he turned into a big spider in yeah. the book yeah and mm. there's like a mm. yeah doesn't mm. he mm. I thought his like his real form is like a weird spider thing. Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm. Or was it a big turtle? Mm-hmm. There's like a big turtle in it as well, right? I'm not there imagining is, there that. Is a, no, there is a little bit about a turtle, but yeah, we'll watch it and uh, we'll and then I'll uh, I'll 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 have to reread it again. Okay, but yeah. Anyway, but anyway, anyway. Hello. Hi. Hi, hi everyone. Hi. Hi. hi how you doing? <laughs> um, what are we doing this week? What are we doing this week? I'm excited about this one. Yay! Um, I've not seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers 78 in a long old time. Yep. Um, but I remember absolutely loving it uh, first time around. And I recall loving it from when I watched it about 10 minutes ago. Yay! So uh, So I'm uh, I'm well on board with this. I absolutely loved it. So. Yep. Uh, go on, Kirsty. Give us some. Give us some info. Okay. Well, um, this, like you said, it was 1978. This is number 81 on our um, on our top 100. It's directed by Philip Kaufman, who uh, also directed Quills, which is that like Jeffrey Rush, yeah. Marquis de Sade movie that came out that is you know that that was like the the basis of well, it wasn't the basis of, but um, the Marquis de Sade obviously wrote. Um, the, the what ended up being sallow yeah. yeah so <laughs> so yeah that's like the weird tenuous link there but apart from that he's done a lot of writing for like indiana jonesy type stuff as well like oh, i yeah. think since this so but like also including like sh- movie shorts and the video games i think as well he was involved in some of that which is quite strange so yeah but um the idea is essentially uh, that there is uh, a lady who starts to feel that her um, partner, husband, boyfriend, boyfriend? I think it's her boyfriend. Boyfriend. Jeffrey, who's a jerk. Um, you he... can tell he's a jerk because he's a, he, he's, a, he's a man who drinks beer and watches sports in a movie. And yeah, therefore... and gropes, gropes the woman whenever she comes in the room. And yeah. Yeah, he's just a, I wrote down Jeffrey's a jerk. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, so you've got Elizabeth who is dating Jeffrey. Jeffrey's a jerk. And he um, basically, he one day wakes up and he, or she wakes up and he's changed somehow and she can't quite explain it to anybody else she's just like he's different i can't i can't understand it and they start to you start to notice or start hearing more information from other people who are all reporting that they feel that their partners and loved ones are imposters that they're just not them anymore and so you have this little mini team of uh, of people um, of crazy whacked yeah. out autumn actors yeah it's so good so you've got it's the um, dream team of yeah. weirdos yeah so you've got um uh donald sutherland who plays a health inspector 
which I kind of love, which also added to the bit when he, like, one of the first things you see of, like, ex- obviously to try and explain what kind of person he is and what he does for a living, he's checking out a kitchen of a of a restaurant, says the, says the phrase rat turd, like, repeatedly yeah. <laughs> in the space I of about 10 scene. seconds. I love it's that. so I love, funny. I love the, intro- the, the introductory <laughs> shot of him where it's like, uh, where, they're looking, where they're looking out of the spy hole. I love a spy um, hole. Camera. And I love how the, the rat turd caper <clears throat> Debate yeah. is um, kind of a bit of foreshadowing of what's to come for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's a caper hiding a rat turd hiding as a caper. Yeah, uh, so ready it's... to infect your body. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I. But yeah, and then so who else is on the on the the crack squad uh, of well, great character actors? We have the glorious Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, and yeah, he's just so good. He's like just overly dramatic he's, he's flinging around he's, he's slamming Jeff, he's his Jeff Goldblum he is he's just slamming like smacking his palm in you know smacking his palm on like tabletops getting angry about stuff and just waving his arms around and being his his general like over dramatic self and he's just so good like he's just so much fun to watch in everything um and then uh, rounding it out we've got uh Leonard Nimoy yeah being his weird self using, <laughs> using some of his spock skills to uh, to great dramatic effect but then not just them as well we've also got um veronica cartwright who yeah. you guys will all know from alien yeah um and uh, brooke, brooke adams brooke adams yeah. yeah okay who's awesome who i don't really know what else she's been in Let's have a look. Tell but she, whatever she's been in it's not enough because i thought she was so good in this um and I just feel like I've not seen her face in enough movies. Well, I think um, was it the, the the interesting the the three interesting things I'm trying to remember now. So Brooke Adams was um, also in uh, Dead Zone. David Cronenberg. I love Dead Zone. Jeff, oh my god, I've not seen that movie in ages. Jeff Goldblum's in The Fly. Um, she's, in the, she's in The Fly. No, Jeff Goldblum's in The oh, Fly. Oh, okay, right. Just said that. <laughs> uh, Jeff Goldblum's in The Fly, and then um, I think Donald Sutherland was in a uh, David Cronenberg, I think, as well. Or was it? No, it was someone else. It was the guy who plays Jeffrey, is in um, uh, is in another David Cronenberg film. So okay. they all kind of went on from here and ended up the Cronenberg being, uh, players. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you've got um, yeah this this weird combination of people. Um, so normally it would end up being like that. The weird occurrence would happen to someone else and then the main character would join up with the person who that thing is happening to but it 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 turns out in this case that you've got donald sutherland whose character's name is matthew uh brooke adams whose uh, character's name is elizabeth and jeff goldblum whose character's name is jack um and they all kind of know each other through work or through you know like connections and things and then and then um uh, Matthew also knows Leonard Nimoy, whose name is David, I believe. Um, and so these weird things start happening, and through their sort of their own knowledge of things. So um, Elizabeth and Jack's wife Nancy, um, played by Veronica Cartwright, um, have a knowledge of plants, um, both sort of hobby and uh, like work based, and then. Um, you've got uh donald sutherland's character who knows about 
you know yeah, health like, and epidemics yeah, like contagion and, and like yeah. spread of disease and things like that as yeah. well and then uh, Jeff Goldblum's just Jeff Goldblum so and then uh, well, I yeah. guess Leonard Nimoy also has kind of like a he's a psychiatrist yeah has so... a knowledge of like paranoia and sort yeah. of like hysteria mass hysteria and things like that yeah um, one thing we've not really spoken about all so far mm. Oh, fuck off, Siri. Um, <laughs> Siri's having a chat with us. Siri, so... you're not getting involved in this. Yeah, um, shut up, Siri. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw that right over there. Go on. Um, yeah, so one thing we've not really spoken about so far is the pod the pod people, the pod, the pod the persons. Pod so I okay, love the so... way that they first introduced them. Um, yeah. They have this really cool opening sequence um, with a really great score as well. I, I'm not sure who did the music for this movie, but it is uh, fantastic. It's the only, uh, I cannot remember the composer, but it is the only uh, film score that he's ever done. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. You, yeah. But mate, again, mate, it's, mate, it's you need like, to have another crack at that because you did a great it's job. It's like the third film in a row where we've opened on like a cacophony yeah. kind of like, ah, this is like. Because it's great. It's kind of like terrifying. you see the solar winds kind of like uh, yeah, taking seeds. all these like seed germ pod things off their home planet. And they kind of like, like I said, they get they go drifting throughout the cosmos and then they end up on planet Earth and they're weird like crystal clear like gel and then these weird pods start little to form little tendrils on the leaves yeah, that was a bit I, was, I loved yeah, goop, I like, goop on a leaf yeah so cool I, I, I keep on wondering how they did it I hope that you have some sort of factoid about how they did those I don't unfortunately I can probably find out because but... uh, later on there's a great scene where um uh, Donald Sutherland is asleep in the garden which seems like a terrible idea now you say it mm. uh, he's asleep in the garden and sort of the tendrils from these pod things start to like wrap around his leg and I was like I can see how they did that the, you know, there's they of, reversed they probably... that I think oh really? I, I was... think if you look at the way that it's done I think they had it wound around his his arm and then they um, took it off. They took it off I was going to say either that, even, even if not, they just had like fishing line and they had like the whole thing attached to one yeah, thing maybe. and then they just like wrapped it round. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? I can kind of understand that. But those like cool little, like almost like stop motion animation tendrils coming out of the goop at the beginning, I was like, because they're so small. Yeah, it's not I like, know it's how not like you could it. fake it with, no. with like fishing line and stuff like that. It was awesome. It was very, very cool. Um, but yeah the the plants themselves like this is one of the first bits that you see is like Elizabeth wandering through the park um and uh there's you know all these people around and uh, interesting fact do you want to know an interesting fact the bit that like weirded me out and I was like what is that like what relevance does that have um is uh the random priest on a swing yes yeah, it's, it's Robert Duvall it is Robert I was Duvall. like I looked at it and I I turned to Kirstie and I was going to say oh man I totally forgot Robert Duvall is in this movie and then I thought to myself wait Robert Duvall's not in this movie he's not like one he's of the main he's literally in that he's one bit he's just in that one tiny scene he as a priest happened. on a swing yeah and then there's but no the, other reason for a priest is, on a swing immediately the film is starting to weird you out yes which is what I like it's just a bit off kilter isn't yeah, it yeah because you're like because the priest is kind of like he's on the swing and the 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 He's sound not talking effect, to anyone. The sound effects are kind of weirdly done. Are you, in fact, are you sure? Because I swear the guy, either the guy that did the sound effects or the guy that did the music, it can't have been the guy that did the music because that's John Williams. The guy who did the sound effects 
was one of the guys who worked on Star Wars. He did the sound effects of Star Wars. Okay. That's for sure. Okay. Which is why, like I said, you hear all these weird kind of like off-kilter sounds and everything's immediately stuck. Everything's just not quite right. And that's and what you want um, from this film, yeah, isn't and it? because it's the, the one word we've not really mentioned at all so far that I think is uh, pretty central to this whole movie is paranoia. Yeah. You know what I mean? The whole Claustrophobic thing. Claustrophobic. And... Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, they do such a good job right from the start um, of making you feel like you're being watched by different people. There mm-hmm. are lots of... They're always extras I, who I guess they've like instructed to like look at the main actors from the background and you think, why are they being looked at all the time? <laughs> um but then also, even the camera does such a great, great job. Um, the guy who was a cinematographer of this, I do know, because it's he was a cin- cinematographer on maybe my top two or three movies of all time. He was the cinematographer Taxi Driver. Ah. Um, okay, I've got a name, though. So um, the guy who did the like sound effects and things was called Ben Burt. Yep, that's it. Okay. And the guy who did the uh, like the musical score is a guy called Denny Zeitlin, who is a um, uh, like a jazz pianist composer. So you can hear there's some yeah, bits yeah. where it's like real disjointed and kind of like jazz fusiony. But <clears throat> the sound the sound effects that they use are amazing because they start at the beginning and it's so subtle. They start at the beginning with. Um, like uh crickets and birds and real like natural sounds and stuff as you see like the water running and all of that and it's all very like nature and organic sounds and yeah. things and throughout the film it slowly phases that out and brings in like machine noises and sirens and like noises of the city and like you've got that underlying sound the whole time and it's like it's gone from like this organic thing into like this yeah. you know industrial creature and it's just it's it's so subtly done but really really so well done so I guess done. like as na- the natural life is being not you know human activity emotion kind of, and stuff yeah exactly is the being background chatter into... of human emotion is kind of like being switched off and replaced by this kind of like hive mind yeah um, I like it's that it's so really good cool. Um, but, but there's this one one shot in particular that I really love. It's right at the start mm. where um, uh, Elizabeth is talking to Jeffrey, her boyfriend, and the camera just is sitting at the end of the hallway, and it just slowly, slowly, slowly kind of like zooms down the hallway as if they as if they are being watched. And this is the scene where. Um, right before Jeffrey is taken over by the pod person so it's kind of like you know the the seedling which has basically been brought into the house in the form of like a little uh, like a plant pod yeah. so it's like, like a, a little cutting. pod with a little pink flower that um elizabeth finds in the park i did find that kind of funny she was like i think i found something rare and i was like what in the park and then obviously it becomes you know that yeah. it is taking over everywhere but the thought of being able to find like a hybrid plant just <laughs> randomly growing by itself in the park was a bit weird but then obviously it goes from there but like i said there are loads <clears> of the, the whole visual look of this movie is so cool like it's got some really awesome shots in it just just weird bits and pieces like I love that scene where much much later on in the movie where Donald Sutherland and um, Elizabeth uh, are kind of they're starting to try and blend in with the the pod people Mm. but the pod people like it's kind of unsuccessful their first attempt and it all focuses on their legs like you can see Donald Sutherland and Elizabeth like walking one direction and the pod people walking in another direction and it's kind of like, like all trained on their legs 
and then all of a sudden the pod people realize they're not with they're not part of their gang and they faster. and they exactly and they start to like move and it's all like on the legs and also another really cool shot uh was when um Jeff Goldblum and Veronica Cartwright and Donald Sutherland and Elizabeth are trying to uh, I keep calling her, I keep calling her a character Brooke, name Brooke, Brooke, Adams. Brooke Adams are trying to escape from uh, from the pod people uh, um uh, at Leonard Nimoy's house. Oh no, is it is it um is it Donald Sutherland's house? Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. but they they're running away from them. And they hide under the stairs, and they're kind of like all four of them, like they're in fucking Bohemian Rhapsody or something. All like standing, that. staring all standing, straight like, ahead. All four standing straight ahead, like looking through the little slats in the uh, in the stairs, like all lit from underneath. I was like, it's just really cool. Like I, you don't see because I like the way it's quite stylized in a in quite a sort of like a far out and weird but also quite gritty kind of surroundings yeah. it's good i liked it it's real trippy but um no there 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 are some great scenes and it's um i'm trying to remember some of my favorite ones though um one of the one of the bits that i always pick up on cuz you've got um elizabeth uh and she starts noticing that like jeffrey's weird and it's after she finds this plant um in the in the park wakes up the next day and he's turned from like jerk jock guy Mm. to suited and booted you know uh, very serious kind of guy and he just like really robotically goes out to the curb uh, where there is a garbage truck waiting for him and he then empties it into there and then the garbage truck closes and stuff and it takes you a while to notice it if you're like watching it from the beginning um, and you may not even notice it. It may be something that you're just like, oh, yeah, because no, no one actually brings any attention to it. Like none of the characters sort of specifically talk about it. But there are maybe like five or six different scenes throughout the film where you have the garbage trucks there, and they add the sound and everything else. But they are all, and there's dumpsters as well. They're all filled with like grey lint fluff. Like it reminds me of like when you open, when you open empty out your vacuum cleaner yes basically that's exactly what it looks like yeah and so we don't ever really see apart from spoilers obviously um apart from like elizabeth's uh like death and absorption into becoming a, a pod person we see her sort of <laughs> and like you know all of her moisture goes out of her body and you know they uh, like she dries out completely and then she just becomes like a husk and so essentially what it is is that you see these garbage trucks around everywhere and these dumpsters and they're all filled with like grey lint like like grey insulation loft insulation basically it looks like and we are left to wonder and make our own conclusions that that is what happens to the human body once they've been fully absorbed that's definitely how I read it it's like this is kind of like the weird like husk material but that's cool like I like that I love that that there's like little uh little nods and little clues everywhere you look like one of the things that i that i know people debate often is was leonard nimoy's character a pod person from the very first time we saw him or did he change like throughout the movie like i feel like at some point he definitely when he goes the scene that's in the mud baths um i feel like at that point he is 100 percent a a pod person yeah because he basically helps um is it Jack Belichick, who's Jeff Goldblum's yeah. character? He helps, um, helps his, his, pod, his person. pod person like escape or kind of destroys him or something happens yeah, to him, like, basically. He's not here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they do such a good job uh, at keeping you guessing as to who is a pod person and who is not. Like, 
you know, I'd seen it before, but the whole time I was like, wait, is, is Leonard Nimoy a pod person at mm-hmm. this point? Is Jeff Goldblum a pod person at this point? Mm-hmm. Veronica Cartwright, at one point, I was like, she's definitely a pod person. And then you're and like, then, and, then at the, and then at the end, you're like, oh, she wasn't even right at the end. No. Um, but there's there's so many, They like you were saying, they do so well with, like, the you've got the tension, you've got the paranoia, you don't know who to trust, you don't, like, I wrote down at one point, I was just like, you cannot... Um, you don't feel like you can trust any of the characters at all because you don't know and they've they've got a great like you said the build up from like you know walking through the park and picking a, an interesting looking flower and things just start to to go a little bit weird and there's one point where like one of the characters is crossing the street and you see someone do that like panicked running while looking behind them yeah, like run doesn't get caught doesn't get you know like the the character who's walking across the street doesn't like barely gives them another glance but it's just the early signs that things are going slightly wrong yeah and the, i love the that. guy there's this there are people every now and again in the earlier scenes you'll just see people running down the street and all it leads you to believe is there are probably hundreds of other stories just like the one we're watching that are happening right now mm. um, which I find really fascinating really interesting or like bumping into each other there's one bit where Elizabeth bumps into a guy in the hallway and then they sort of you know rather than just being like oh sorry and like you would you, they sort of bump yeah, and then it, say sorry and then they're walking in opposite directions and they keep turning around and looking at each other and that's when you were saying about the walk, the bit where they're walking and you can just see their legs mm. Um, one of them bumps into another person and I think it's the the touch because they're like we don't know how it's transmitted whether it's touch or whether it whether we breathe it in we're not sure what the contagion how it works Um, and they bump into someone and it's just at that point that that one person and then obviously the rest of the hive mind kind of gets told that they're not part of it it, and then they slowly turn around and start following them and I'm like oh it's so good there's just so much left unsaid but it's done so well that you you get it straight away Uh, I I just like all the little um, like I said before like all the other stories that are going on around the, the kind of the crazy crew we've assembled so like uh, when Donald Sutherland goes to like get his shirts dry cleaned and, mm. and like the, the the people that work in the dry cleaners, one of them's like, oh my wife, she's not right, something's wrong. wrong with her. And then you see her kind of like staring at, uh, at Donald <laughs> Sutherland, looking a real fucking creepy. She does look creepy, real creepy. <laughs> and then one of the most famous scenes, which I'm sure you're going to have a fact about, because if you've not got the fact, I have the fact. Okay, um, is the guy who. Donald Sutherland and uh, Brooke Adams are driving along in Donald Sutherland's car yeah. um, which has a cracked windscreen for the whole thing I love that yeah and which really kind of like your distorted perspective on the people around you yeah. which I thought was very very film schooly. <laughs> Um but then as they're driving in the car um, someone runs out and like hits the front of their car and they're like they're coming for us they're coming for it which is like real straight out of they're here they're here they're coming for all of us which is straight out of like a 1950s science fiction movie and the reason is because that guy is Kevin McCarthy who played the main Donald Sutherland-y type part in the 1956 um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers which is also on our list yeah Um, but the the other connection to the 1956 movie apart from like you know them like really respectfully kind of like uh, doing their their version of it is that the cab driver that takes him to the airport is Don Siegel who was the director of the 1956 movie added fact to that 
Don Siegel uh, has really terrible eyesight, was not wearing his glasses. And so that terror that you see in like Brooke <laughs> Adams and Donald Sutherland driving in the back of that car, that's real because oh, they're really? like, oh shit, it like, like really like nervous about car. driving. Yeah. There you go. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, like every. I just love this movie. I think it's so good. Like all these different ways that they just subtly pile on the the pressure and the paranoia. Um, there's just so many different effective ways that they manage to do it. And then just when it when it breaks and you fear and it's revealed that someone is a pod person, I think it's so effective. Mm. One of my going back to like what our favourite scenes in the movie are. One of my favourite is when um, um, Jeff Goldblum and uh, Leonard Nimoy reveal themselves as pod people and they basically sedate um, uh, Brooke Adams and Donald Sutherland's characters and Donald Sutherland just so fucking nails it when he's like you're killing us David you're killing us Um, and he's like oh no what's the line he says he says um, I've got it written down so I've got to read it out it's too good not to read out Mm -hmm. Um, vamp vamp for me he says um (laughs) There's no, there's no need for love now, or uh, no need for hate now, or love. When yeah. he's just like, when he's, they're just talking about like uh, what, what they've done to the, to the human race. I think it's so cool. Yeah. That's, uh, you can really feel the kind of emotion resonating at that point. Because you know, what I mean, the paranoia and the horror doesn't really take effect if you don't care, like have a, an emotional connection yeah. with the characters, and they're all so good. Uh, that they absolutely nail it but it's like a true like but at what cost kind of question yeah, yeah, isn't definitely. it because oh, yeah, it was sure. the bit that Lennon Nimoy says before the no he- no need for hate now bit is like you'll be born again uh, into an untroubled world free of pain and anxiety and it's like yeah but you'll never feel like you know that emotion again and so you've now got like you know um, Matthew and Elizabeth are like I just wrote down they're like they're just two people who want to hang on to life like even the bad stuff like they would rather fight and have you know all the good and the bad and the ups and the downs and the rubbish relationships and things because that was what like everyone was assuming was happening with Elizabeth they were just like are you looking for a way out of your relationship you're just pretending that this is happening and like it's full on like gaslighting throughout the entire thing because like Leonard Nimoy's character they're just like no you're mad like you know you're you're having an emotional issue emotional woman Mm. you know all of that but it's like yeah they they just want to stay human no matter Mm. what even if they had these promises and you've probably got people who had to be persuaded a little bit but like the rest of it is just you know people who really want to fight to survive and to stay human well i was reading something about this um because obviously the the first invasion of the body snatchers was supposed to be kind of like an allegorical story about like McCarthyism and communism and sort of like the red scare and like is the person next door to you a communist but Mm. also at the same time is the person next door to you going to turn you in for being a communist like Mm. so it kind of like there's a bit of grey area between the two this one I thought was less obvious uh, like what the what kind of side they're taking but I did read an interesting thing that was saying you know this this version has been transported to San Francisco which is obviously kind of like the the center of like hippie culture um hey Ashbury and all that kind of places like that but um but basically this one was saying like all those ideals from the hippie era have kind of like started to go down the toilet as we go into the 80s because this is what 78 yeah so those kind of like isolationist USA kind of tendencies are starting to take over and it's kind of like uh 
we as a people are not really looking out for each other anymore it's more about sort of something's taken over these people that used to have these like beautiful peaceful ideas and now all of a sudden it's just kind of everyone's out for themselves which i thought was you know i'm not 100 percent. i'd have to like really watch it with that in mind to sort of uh to sort of like see if i 100 percent agree with that but it's definitely an interesting kind of thought is the any frickin- any idea is the freaking ooze from uh ghostbusters 2 right yeah like just all the anger and the distrust and the disliking of everybody is just Pink like slime. manifesting but um but yeah, I, I mean, I, I loved it just so much that they they did such simple effects with, like, just setting that scene. You had, like you said, you know, there would be, like, two people who'd be standing next to each other and they'd just give each other a look. Mm. And it's like they're in on something that you're not and it gives you that, that paranoid feeling. But, like, simple effects, like, in the mud baths where, like, um, like Jeff Goldblum's pod person, like, we first see a pod person and it's mm. so gross. Um, and they just have this gentle waving of the curtains that go around, like, the treatment tables and stuff in this mud baths. And it's that's that was all that was needed to, yeah. like, give you that fear that there are things there that you're not seeing that are well, it's know... almost it's almost like the curtains are like breathing you yeah know i mean and you can hear some sort of like raspy like death rattle kind of breathing going on yeah, behind the, the sound curtains. effects are amazing and like i said um two other bits two other sequences that i really loved that i thought was super effective at building up that paranoia one was um when uh brooke adams character is describing about her paranoia filled day when she's basically tailing jeffrey oh yeah uh, boyfriend and it's like um, they show it and it is like straight out of uh, like a spy movie like she's tailing him the whole day and he keeps on meeting up with loads of different weird like disparate people like people you would never you know expect to be seen with one another and they're all handing off creepy packages and you know it just shows like this conspiracy goes all the way to the top you know what I mean like the reverse vampires and uh, (laughs) the sorts of people and all kinds of stuff I was just expecting at those bits for it to be that sort of yeah, of yeah. like having a yeah, picture yeah. taken like, like of all those photos. amazing like seven like paranoid like 70s thriller like was it the 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 conversation like the gene hackman one and like yeah. the parallax view and all those kind of awesome 70s movies that were really great at doing that sort of thing um but the other one that was very similar and was and reminded me a lot of taxi driver in the way that it was filmed was that awesome sequence where Donald Sutherland is phoning up all of the different oh, government organisations? I wrote it down. Oh, I love that. It was that so was good. I completely. I. I. If someone was had before, I'd rewatch it again today. Said, name me like five really kind of like standout scenes. I wouldn't have been. No. You know, I would have been hard pressed. But now, like that one, I can't believe I overlooked that before. It's so well done. He basically is. It's kind of like revealing like the full extent of how high up it goes and also you know how many different government organizations that these these people have kind of like infiltrated like some people he's on the phone to and you think oh they sound pretty normal they sound like they have no clue what he's talking about but then it's like the real kind of like calm and like 
right, well, we'd like for you to phone back at this time. And I was like, oh, God, this it's person's great. Gonna and it's just you. like quick cutting and like he'd be having one conversation and then they'd show him like a completely different phone booth and he'd be walking down the street and the extras are looking at him. And I was like, oh, man, it's really it's, so well done. It's so good because it's all subjective as well. So, again, you've got that whole like it feels like he's being looked at, he's being watched, he's being scrutinised. But the camera spins around him at different points. It's at strange angles. It's at lower down angles so like you know he's it's like he's being watched but they don't he doesn't know it it's this slow build up of uh ringing phone uh like ringing phone sounds voices and mm. you've got all this and then like there's just a little bit of like um music as it's building up like building the tension up underneath all of that and you've got these voices down the end of the phone like you said they were really calm but they're going like oh well you know we don't want to cause a panic and it's yeah, like so don't, we don't for god's sakes don't tell anyone but it was like yeah we don't That's want, to, cause, want yeah, us exactly to do. you don't want us to cause a panic because you know and it's just uh it's just really really well done like just this build up this slow slow build up because that's how they take over they yeah. they just really slowly infiltrate themselves and then well let's let's just we talked about the slow build up now let's talk about like the payoff scenes okay um i want to talk about um the pod people birthing scene well, one of my favourite bits that I wrote down, I literally wrote this down. Okay, so <laughs> I want to know whether you can figure out, this is not a bit that we've talked about yet, and it's not the very, very end, but I wrote down, I want a diorama or a painting of this, mm. like, shot. Can you, do you think you can work out, see if you know me, which bit? Oh, well, I would, I would have said, uh, oh, maybe um, the scene where Elizabeth is... Uh, being turned into a, where she's asleep on the bed and the, the the duplicate is being formed in the greenhouse it's like the little garden hot yeah. house thing it's so cool yeah she's literally like like so we we're now learning uh how because they were talking earlier about how they managed to get to you and it was like is it by touch is it by you breathe it in is it by you know uh intravenous is it how we don't know how and we're trying to work out how so we can stop it and then they finally figure out that it's they get you while you're sleeping which is terrifying as yeah. well because you're paranoid you're already freaked out you're going to be so mentally exhausted and now you have to stay awake otherwise you'll get you'll get turned into a pop person and so elizabeth is exhausted she's lying on the bed and then like sort of out on her like balcony bit she's got this greenhouse that's just filled with like interesting plants and things and then you've just got like her replica but covered in goo and like not, and webbing just, and, and just not fully formed as well like I think someone says it. She's got no uh, nipples. There's, there's like no, but there's like no details on her as well. Yeah, like she's like fetal. Like it's almost like, like they're three a... D printing her and they're yeah. just like waiting to fill in the final details at the end. Yeah, so it's just creepy as hell. But she looks like I'm trying to remember what the um is it the Lady of Shalott? I'm quite remember the um there's like a famous painting of like a like a Renaissance painting of like a woman floating down a river. Um, uh, I'll try and yeah, I'll try and find it. But it just made me think of that because she's laying there, like surrounded by all of these beautiful tropical plants, and you know, like it looks really serene and peaceful until you look a little bit closer, and then you're just like, "Whoa, that's, yeah. that's really <laughs> messed up." And so, yeah, Donald Sutherland sort of figures out, like, figures that out. He like wakes her up, takes her away, and I think it's when you're far enough away from the the pod being, and you're not connected to it. That yeah, I can't it, really it doesn't. Of. It doesn't. But even then, like you. I wonder, like if you're in a different country and you fall asleep, would it still? No, 
No? I don't think so. Because okay. like with Donald Sutherland's one where he falls asleep outside, like we said, stupid idea. Falls asleep mm. on the deck chair, gets connected. But he falls asleep right next to a giant pod. I'm like, are you that tired that you didn't see this like huge friggin thing it was, it was dark out yeah i'm, I'm, but... I'm gonna give i'm gonna say it was dark he couldn't see <laughs> um but, but yeah. yeah that whole sequence of donald sutherland falling asleep in the garden and then like the four three or four different pod people are just being kind mm. of like created in the garden oh man it's so good like everyone looks all s- sticky but furry at the same time <laughs> yeah. which is a horrible combination it's that hair isn't really it kind that of like puts you, put you on puts you on edge yeah um but yeah, so, so well done, and it's all practical effects as well. Um, uh, I don't know who did the, the effects on it. Actually, they're really good though. Mm. Um, but the pods are like we now get to see what the larger pod looks like because we've seen the smaller ones where they're literally the size of like a normal flower, um, like uh, off of a like a small plant. These ones are gigantic. Yeah, they look like alien eggs. Yeah, look like look like the eggs from aliens but sort of laid on their side and then they open up and they look like um the like reflesia flower which is the like corp the flower that smells like rotting oh, the meat stink, the stinky flower the really stinky flower with like the big pink like fleshy looking petals and it opens up and then it's just like all just goo inside and then it basically like births uh, poops out a, a human a, a partially formed human being which then's like writhing around as it's like growing and stuff i'm like oh my god this is so disturbing but yeah. so good you just cannot tear yourself away from it yeah, it's, it's so very, so very, good very disturbing but then the the main bit in there like i mean if you were to ask me now like did it shoot you up it's like the whole tension is there but then there's some bits that were like you know it kind of grossed me out and like one of the most shocking scenes that you see and it's one of the only ones that's actually like the the most intense gore and considering this is a pg i believe isn't it is it really i think i thought it was a 15 maybe it's a 15 but um is uh donald sutherland smashing his own face in yeah it's so disturbing like he he so he he wakes up he uh uh nancy um uh, Veronica Cartwright is screaming at him to wake up and he wakes up and then he grabs like a garden hoe and he's about to smash in the face of Elizabeth who's obviously asleep in a uh, in another part of the house and the pod is close enough to her that it's able to sort of birth another one and she's almost completely formed and he can't bring himself he sort of raises the, the hoe up and he can't bring himself to do it because he's in love with her and so he co- he makes his way around to himself and then just completely obliterates his own head and it's just this explosion of like crazy yeah. red gore it just bursts it's like, like a, a piece yeah it bursts like a piece of like rotten fruit or something yeah. it's just so disgusting but yeah and then um and then when that happens, it obviously sends out a message in the same way as it does for like was it like wasps or bees or whatever like or yeah. spiders? It's meant to be the like ju- if the you jerk kill animals. them, yeah. So it sends out like um, like a uh, a warning signal or a distress signal to other ones in the area, and that's the first time I think that you well, hear I, the scream. I do like that idea, but I, I was more under the impression it was just because he phoned the police. Oh, okay. He phoned I thought, the police, it was and they were like, "Oh, uh, tell us." Uh, 
what does he say? He's like, tell us where you are, Mr. Bunnell. And then and he's, he's like, like, I didn't tell you my name. <gasps> um. Creepy. No, yeah. I thought, because it was exactly at the same time that he was smashing his own head in. And then this woman, like, who's obviously a pop person, just turns around, just lets out this, like, guttural shriek. And now, um, I thought maybe that was the first time we'd heard that pod person shriek. But then, as we were watching it, when... Um, uh, Donald Sutherland's character rescues Brooke Adams' character earlier on in the movie. Um, Jeffrey, the pod person, is like heading up to the room and they just kind of like miss each other. Mm. And then as Donald Sutherland is pulling out of the of the driveway, and I thought maybe it was supposed to be like a screeching tire, but then as I li- kind of listened to it a bit more, I was like, oh, I think we just heard our first pod person scream Ooh. when like he's discovered that, uh, that the, you know, that the Brooke Adams character <laughs> has been stolen away. Um, but yeah, very cool. Whatever, yeah. whichever one it is. But um, it's got. Do do you get the feeling of like zombie movie from this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's got like so many undertones of zombie movie, especially these bits where like they're running away, and you've got like police motorbikes and running people. So you know now like the police are involved. Like the, obviously we know from from the previous scenes that we're we're aware that like people in authority um, are have already been like turned. But you've now seen, like, you now see people like running after them, and they're all like lit from the back, so you can just see these shapes, mm. and they're all running at them, and they're all screaming, and it is like zombies, but they can run, and they are intelligent, and they will not stop until yeah. they've got you, and it's just terrifying. <laughs> now, next most disturbing moment. Mm. Dog face. Oh no! I, was, I wrote in my notes. I forgot I wrote about in my dog notes, face. Kirsty, do you think that dog turned into a pod person as well? <sighs> but then I was like, oh, that that immediately was answered in the most disturbing way because yeah. uh, the dog turns up and it's got the uh, the kind of like banjo playing kind of side character. It's got his face on it. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's so real a, yeah. So there's a homeless guy called Harry who we meet sort of vaguely earlier who's like playing the banjo. Funnily enough, that banjo. A uh, piece of banjo music that's being played, being played by Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. He actually played that part, and they <laughs> and they sort of put it over the guy. So we've kind of vaguely met Harry. It kind of it's kind of partly used for us to sort of see what kind of person Donald Sutherland's character is. He you know knows the local homeless guy by name, always goes and says hi to him and his dog, gives him some money you know, so you know that like you get it's to sort of build that feeling of him like being a good guy um, but yeah they uh, uh, as they're running around like trying to find out who's been affected, who they can help, who they can save they discover Harry and his dog like asleep in the park next to a pod um, and they're like, oh god, it's a pod, it's horrible, or whatever. And then one of them kicks the pod, and then they run off because they're like, oh, he's beyond help, we can't help him. And the pod lets out just a little dribble of blood. And I didn't know whether it was because Harry and his dog were sleeping next to each other that like the pod got confused, or that kick <laughs> dislodged something, and he ended up becoming like weird pod. dog dog, dog with ha- dog with harry fa- harry's face yeah but it is like as soon as it happens you're like Aah! it's funny because <laughs> it's, it's a real uh nick cage wickerman moment because it's like that ha- the dog runs up and then immediately within one like a, three seconds donald sutherland just punches some old woman in the face <laughs> i was like oh yeah this is, i fucking love this movie this is awesome um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was partly that it was like they wanted to have like a weird smack of humour, but it was also because at that point they learned from uh, Nancy that um, 
you know, she's been able to hide or, you know, at this point, even when we see her, we're, we're just like, she's a pop person, she's pretending, you know, and all of that because they're becoming more and more intelligent as it moves along. But she says, you know, you can pretend... Uh, you just have to hide your emotions don't show any fear and anything like that and I've been walking around like among them for for ages and so it's almost like the tables have turned like Mm. they've been walking among us and now we're walking amongst them and we're the humans and we're the minority now Um, so it was like that and then obviously the dog with the human face runs up and she can't hide her emotion when you see a dog with a human face and then that starts everybody running after them um, but we're getting into the end part now. Yeah. Um, and this is the only part of the movie where I was like, I feel like they could have cut like five minutes out of this. <laughs> I feel like it's at some point um, you can only really like. So basically, Donald Sutherland he uh, he goes and tries to get him and um, Brooke Adams' character onto a ship, only to realise the ship is transporting pods out of the you know out of the united states all around the world it seems um and he comes back and elizabeth um has been turned into a pod person um which is obviously very sad because they've just basically told each other they love each other for the first time Damn and they've it. Had their smooches um but then after that donald sutherland basically discovers the kind of uh the 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 grow grow up i guess it does it looks like a hydroponic growing operation yeah where they've been growing these uh, the pods um and he you know destroys it he sets fire to it um but there's just a lot of sort of like not repeated shots but like a lot of like similar action where it's like you can only see a strip of lights fall onto some pods so many times before you're like okay guys i kind of kind of get the idea now let's just move it along like i said just snippy snip two three minutes and i think it would have been but i just thought that there was one or two bits at the end there where they're just walking the streets and uh during that kind of uh destruction of the of the of the nursery that they could have just cut down ever so slightly and it would have been it would have benefited he did all his own stunts though Donald Sutherland, he insisted on doing all of that bit without a harness, like running around chopping all of the ropes that were holding up the the strip lights and stuff. I was like, he he throws his axe away, which always bemuses me. I kind of like that he picks up the axe, which immediately sets off some kind of alarm. Like they're like, oh, right, we've got the the axe alarm is on, so you're (laughs) fine. The other bit that made me laugh as well is like a bit earlier when um, like they are trying to like integrate themselves and like trying to walk amongst them and stuff, and they're like watching out the window and they're like, "Oh my god, this goes so far!" Because you've got like people pod people queuing up to be given a pod mm. to walk away with to obviously go and like try and um, like convert other people, but they are just walking along. And my first thought was just they look like they're all at a, like a county fair, like entering like a marrow growing yeah. contest or something. And it was just the bit that made me laugh. With big country ham under yeah. their arm. Yeah, they're all um, good. But they they realise that they can't stay awake forever. That was like the bit that they, you know, um, uh, when they're running after him after he's chopped down the, the things, you know, he runs away and hides uh they're all like walking along and you can hear them talking and you know that they're not like mindless drones they are you know like they've got no emotions but they're just like their aim is to survive we had heard that from leonard nimoy earlier their aim is to survive at whatever cost so they need to convert everybody to make sure that their plan works and so they're just like well we're gonna get him because he can't stay awake forever and then it goes to fades to white and then you have him um 
uh, cutting out clippings from the paper, which we saw him do earlier, uh, which gives us that, you know, he's he's still, he's gone back to to where he was and he's he's gone back to his own life and he's trying his best to live as best he can. And uh, you see him walking along, you know, down the street. He's sort of, you know, keeping an eye on people. He's wandering along. He um, he sees Elizabeth, but like doesn't give any emotion away or anything. And um, you know, joins the queues of people as they line up. They're all, you know, like very conformist, and mm. you know, they all obey and they're all good and everything. And um, yeah, you see him, you see him like that. And then um, you hear this really slightly twisted version of like Amazing Grace, like real haunting, because you heard that earlier when he was going to the ships. Um, which was quite cool because when he went to go and see whether they could get on the ships and discovered that the pods were being loaded onto the ships there was uh, Amazing Grace being played on the bagpipes and I think in his mind he was like well if there's someone playing the bagpipes there's someone who still has emotion there's someone who's still a human and then you hear when he walks up there and sees the pods you hear like the sound of a radio being tuned out and it being it gets turned to like the shipping forecast or whatever so it was obviously a radio yeah. station not actually a human and you realize there's no humans left um so you hear this again like slightly twisted version of amazing grace uh and then you see nancy uh who had been you know like walking amongst them and uh you hear her go like matthew and he sort of turns around and looks at her and she's just like you know we're still here you know it was you know uh and uh she's you know obviously happy that you know he's he's managed to get through and then just the most oh the ending it's yeah it's it he just turns and you realize and you realize that and he just does the most horrifying face because we'd seen elizabeth earlier where she just points and shrieks at him and that's their you know they they now are like get him kind of thing just lets out this guttural scream and uh he turns around and does that at nancy and she's just like no no because he's been turned we thought he was pretending now it's so good i don't want to be the one to to besmirch an amazing ending Mm. but i still i i do feel that that ending would have is is it's awesome it's so good Mm. but it would have been maybe it would have been slightly more effective if they hadn't shown him going to work Mm. like i feel like this because at that point i was like oh he's a pod person like i there was no question in my mind like as soon as i saw him at work with um brooke adams character the pod the pod version of her character at work i was like there's no way that he's not a pod person he now. thought he would have been like get the fuck but out of town there, and... there, are, there are scenes before that where he's just kind of like wandering the streets so I was like oh maybe he could be passing himself off still as a pod person mm. but then as soon as I saw him go to work I was like no he's definitely a pod person and then you but know why would you, but why would you think that because he's obviously he's doing everything to make sure that he doesn't draw any attention to himself yeah but like you said like as soon as they come into contact with anyone <coughs> who's a pod person then all of a sudden they can they can tell so I was like, as soon as he just bumped into anyone in the mm. lab or anything, I don't know. Yeah, and especially the fact that, I guess then, because you said they retain all their memories, right? Didn't, isn't that what they said? 
like I guess as part of like the hive mind, like they retain all their memories get absorbed. Yeah, it says their memory gets absorbed, so I don't know whether that means that everyone knows everything. Yeah, so then I would just be so paranoid that um, that the Elizabeth, any like anyone who knew him basically would Mm. be like, oh wait, did you become a pod person in the end? He was like, uh, sure. (laughs) So yeah, so that was. But anyway, like I said, that's real nitpicking because the ending is still incredible. The the ending is amazing. I mean, like I said, like they they were what they were planning to do is um that they were going to have uh matthew and nancy just pass each other on the street and just give each other a look and it would be in the same way as the pod people used to give each other a look to be like i'm yeah yeah yeah." and now it's the humans like we said are in the minority so they were going to do it that way but the way that they did it was so good and they didn't actually tell uh veronica cartwright that they were going to do that bit so when she's like got that cold fear on her face of him doing that like shriek he's just got the most horrifying like twisted face that's that's like real like no no man veronica cartwright's got a real track record of uh directors not telling her what's about to happen (laughs) between that and uh the chestburster scene in alien yeah uh, that poor 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 woman but Um, i love that they didn't bother i think like i can't remember whether it was that they they didn't bother uh didn't not that they didn't bother but whether it was uh intentional or whether they just hadn't done it that was one of the notes that i read but i kind of love that they do not have music over the credit sequence yeah it just leaves that bit to sit with you yeah it's a real it's, it's a real gut punch of an ending yeah there's no sort i love of, it there's no like bright bright side to it yeah. it's like there's no hope left everyone's <laughs> po- everyone's been podded everyone's uh, and that's gone. that so did this film shit you up to a degree yeah i mean it's yeah, not I'd, gonna I'd, it's I'd, not I'd gonna give to me it's not gonna give me nightmares but right after watching it I uh, popped to the shops <laughs> and I definitely had a, you know, in the same way that like anything like that, when you've watched a film that's like affected you or like you've been like sucked into fully, you just in the back of your mind, you're just like, what if this is really happening? Yeah. Like no matter how like unlikely <laughs> it would be, you you do sort of ha- take a look, take a closer look at like people when you, <laughs> when you're out in public after watching something like this. And I love that so much. Like it's just such a good film like i'm really really looking forward to watching the 1956 version but we are aware that there are like a billion different versions of this some of them terrible but this is like known to be one Mm. of the absolute best if not the best i didn't know i didn't realize until uh doing a little bit of research on this one that uh there's an abel ferrara version really yeah so like driller killer and bad lieutenant it's got forrest whitaker in it okay yeah I don't okay. know what it's supposed to be maybe like. We'll, but... Yeah, maybe we'll check out body snatches, like yeah. various different body snatches. But we know that there's one that's got like Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman in it. There's um, uh, there's various other films that are like related to it in some way, like um, the like, faculty. Yeah, the faculty definitely because there's there's little hints in this that like basically they you know we know now that like they turn into like dried up husks and stuff and one of the first signs that you see is like their skin and their lips start getting a bit dry and they talk about being dry and they're drinking mm. water and in the faculty they really t- really ramp that up where they're just like they need water to survive otherwise they'll just like yeah. but um yeah i i just i love it i would fully recommend watching it um i really really enjoyed it one of the the bits that i kind of liked about it is uh, or one of the bits that i thought was hilarious was 
again going back to that like um real fear before we were kind of desensitized slightly to like horror uh when movies like this like in the 50s um and like i mean not so much in the late 70s i think there would have been enough by then that people would know if they were into horror but they did uh the day after this was uh released they i still don't know who but obviously something to do with the production um left pods around la (laughs) nice (laughs) and people were so shit up by it that they were calling the police because they thought it was real nice so it had that kind of effect so it was like that uh you know war of the worlds kind of like that's cool uh myth story about it which i absolutely loved i was like that would be amazing but imagine watching this and then going out after you know after watching that if you went to the cinema at night and then you were walking down the street and then you just saw like pods Mm. You would, but it would be enough to shit you up, I think. Now, here's <laughs> something that I think we mentioned on last episode, but mm. I wanted, but I, but now with the movie fresh in our minds, mm. I want to play uh, fuck, marry, kill, uh, <laughs> Donald Sutherland, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, Leonard Nimoy. Oh my god, I can't! I've, I think I've got mine worked out. <laughs> I feel like I'd fuck Donald Sutherland. <laughs> He's a, he's a, I've got to say, for a, he's very, he's very sexual in, the, in a 70s sort of way. Don't you think? Do you, he's very intense. Do you not find him as a, uh, this is, I'm giving you free reign here to admit that another man is attractive. <laughs> this is, so, not that I need to give you free reign, we don't have that kind of relationship, but I'm just saying that, um, that there will be no repercussions for admitting that, Jeff, that, uh, Donald Sutherland or any of the other men are handsome men. Oh, I feel like I would get really angry. I think I, I feel like playing this game, we're going to get either like angry Jeff Goldblum fans, of which we know there are a lot of Jeff yeah. Goldblum fans, or angry Star Trek fans. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'd marry Leonard Nimoy. Oh, I do feel you think like he's I, a safe one. Yeah, I feel like I'd fuck Donald Sutherland, and I feel like I'd kill Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen too, <laughs> killing's a bit hard. I've seen a lot of interviews with Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> and I just think he'd become a bit much. He's a bit. He's a bit much. Whereas Donald Sutherland, I'd be like, we could talk about Don't Look Now. We could talk about the time he was on The Simpsons. It would be great. Okay. Bit Hunger Games thrown in. Leonard Nimoy's been on The Simpsons as well, though. That is true, and mm-hmm. so has uh, Jeff Goldblum. There we go. They've, we could, I could just talk to them all about The Simpsons. Yeah, there we go. We'll do that rather than, uh, <laughs> than, than fucking marrying it. or killing anyone. <laughs> there we go. Well right. done. Um, so yeah, in summation, excellent film. Yeah, would hell, recommend. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Watch it absolutely, um, and stay tuned for whichever number it is for um, uh, Body Snatchers, the original fifty. Six version. I feel like it's in the 60s somewhere. Okay, I can have a look if you want. No, no, it's fine. No, we're ready? Yeah, okay. we're ready. Yeah, um, we'll find it. So, yeah. make sure that you come and talk to us on uh, on the social meds. Yeah. On uh, facebook.com forward slash uh, behind the sofa podcast or at behind the sofa podcast uh, on Instagram. Go please and give us a, a rate and a subscribe on iTunes. Uh, leave a little review that are always uh, well, massively yep, appreciated. We read them all. Well, massively appreciated. Massively. Massively appreciated. <laughs> um, but now I guess that all is to ask is to ask Kirsty what next week is. Oh my God, what's next week? So um, this is one that um, I think you've watched more than me. 
I have watched it once, I believe, with you. It's not one of my favourites, only because it is vicious. It is pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's come out in the last um, 15 years. Okay. Um... And uh, oh, it, okay. spawned, no, think... it spawned a, a recent TV ah, okay. series, which I did not like. So do you want to try guess? It's Wolf Creek, It right? is Wolf Creek. Wolf Creek. So we've What's got... What's the name of the guy now? Mick, Mick Taylor. Mick bloody Mick Taylor. He's <laughs> going to be so many shit Australian accents next week. I hope, uh, hope you're ready for it. So yeah, minor sur- uh, summary is a group of backpackers, I believe, yep. uh, hanging out in the outback, which is just, yeah not not really my idea of a holiday sorry sorry to any australians i'm sure your country is beautiful but um yeah no um and uh they come across uh traveling psychopath mick taylor who dispatches uh people in very uh gruesome and gory ways so get ready for a good slasher splatter and horror ba- and loosely based on a true story right yes which I will definitely yeah, be we'll doing some, some research on because I love a bit of true crime. So, yeah, stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you come and uh, check us out. Subscribe wherever you're listening. And from behind the sofa. Good night. Mm.